0: Welcome back, everybody. After about a six-week hiatus, the America of America podcast is officially back, and we will be releasing episodes every week. This week, we're going to celebrate our return by talking about one of the most interesting and recent controversies to hit the state of Oklahoma, and that is the moving of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were originally the Seattle Supersonics from Seattle to Oklahoma City. This story is quite the saga in and of itself before we obviously get to Uh, those dream runs of seasons that the Oklahoma City Thunder had in their early years and hope to have in the future. But the way the Seattle Supersonics became the Oklahoma City Thunder is a great story in and of itself, like I said. So we're going to cover that today and then hopefully that will give us a basis to talk about the Thunder in the future. With that, I'm Will Milam and I'm so glad to be back and I'm so glad that you're listening and uh, let's get started. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This episode is going to be coming out the Tuesday after Labor Day, so I hope everybody's had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. I hope everybody's excited to have another short week. College football is back, the NFL is going to be back on Sunday, so I'm really excited for that. So I hope we're all looking forward to this uh, hopefully fabulous fall. When I left you guys last, uh, I was preparing to take the bar exam and I came out with an episode about Father Stanley Rother. And right after that episode was published, and it was published very hastily, if you could tell by the maybe some of the quality of the audio, I had to do that uh, at the SMU Law Library, which sadly and hopefully I never actually have to go back into there to study ever again. But right after publishing that episode, I took the bar exam, which was obviously a very exhausting two days, and I thereafter immediately uh, hopped on a flight to Seattle to go see a friend of mine for uh, to go attend a friend of mine's wedding, and then I hopped on another flight to go to Madrid to spend uh, a couple of weeks traipsing around Western Europe, which was tons of fun, very adventurous uh, I have a lot of good stories, obviously none of them relate to the history and culture of Oklahoma, so I can't talk about them here but uh, it's it's been an eventful month, but while I was in Seattle. Um, for that wedding. Uh, it occurred to me that obviously Seattle is the predecessor city for the Oklahoma City Thunder who for many, many, many years and won championship were the Seattle Supersonics and uh, if you know anything about the relationship between Seattle and Oklahoma City in basketball, it's very, very contentious. Um, I thought about wearing some Oklahoma City Thunder gear while I was in Seattle as uh, to make my friends laugh and I decided that Maybe I didn't want to insult uh, my my guest city, and I did not want to get into a fistfight, so I uh, I decided against it. But I did take the time to uh, I did take the time to do some research that I could on the ground about that move. Uh, going and visiting Key Arena, which is now uh, Climate Pledge Arena, and um, just kind of getting the lay of the land of Seattle sports, which is a uh, massive, massive sports city with the, uh, the Meriters, the new Kraken team, and of course the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So this is the episode that uh, I've garnered from that set of research from a couple weeks ago, so it might feel a little bit dated, but I still think that it's going to be relevant for a long time. So we're going to start talking about the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder and its move. So believe it or not, to start out with, Seattle and Oklahoma City have a strangely linked history in certain elements, and they're also not linked at all really culturally, politically. In fact, I cannot imagine two more different places in the United States uh, than Oklahoma City and Seattle. Whether it's the weather, uh, most noticeably the culture um, amongst larger cities in the United States, Oklahoma City is probably the most conservative or Republican city, uh, voting city, and Seattle is the most uh, left-wing city, probably up there with maybe Portland, Oregon, and uh, Washington, D.C. So, to get that out front, uh, it's they're extremely, extremely different places. Uh, I underwent a bit of a culture shock because I spend most of my time in Oklahoma City and Dallas. But obviously Seattle does have uh, a lot of natural beauty. It is um, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. The wedding that I went to took place a little bit outside of the city limits in the forested area. And the trees are just absolutely gorgeous. And the weather was just so much better than it is here. Sorry, Oklahoma City, I love you, but it, it, it's just true. But that being said, the two cities are also inextricably linked in a couple ways. Uh, the first has to do with the basketball teams, but it also goes back many, many years. And this was a subject that I think was best handled by Sam Anderson's book, Boomtown, which is uh, the recent uh, chronicle of the history of Oklahoma City, specifically the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, written by the New York Times sports writer Sam Anderson, which is excellent, excellent book. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And... Sam Anderson focuses on a series of events in Oklahoma City called Operation Bongo, which occurred in 1964, which the goal was to test sonic booms on a population of American cities uh, in anticipation for supersonic air travel. So Oklahoma City and its boosters uh, volunteered the people of Oklahoma City to be the guinea pigs for having sonic booms come over the city every day for extended periods of times. Uh, If you're a longtime listener to the podcast and you remember me talking about uh, the Murrah building bombing, my mother uh, who lived in Oklahoma city at the time immediately assumed that the Murrah building bombing was a sonic boom because sonic booms are ingrained in the minds of those older Oklahomans who can remember 1964 far across the country. Uh in Seattle, Seattle was beginning negotiations to get a professional basketball team. And what did they name that professional basketball team in nineteen sixty-seven? The Seattle Supersonics, which that name was supposed to be after the Boeing Supersonic Airliner project, which eventually failed, which failed in large part to Operation Bongo in Oklahoma City when the United States government found out that Civilian populations are not easily going to get accustomed to hearing sonic booms all day, every day, for the rest of their lives. This began a strange foreshadowing between the two cities and their shared fates. Oklahoma City and Seattle would come together again uh, several years later in the 1980s when a small bank in Oklahoma City called Penn Square Bank would overextend itself on oil and gas loans and uh, bankrupt itself and almost pulled down the Seattle First National Bank, which was only bailed out by Bank of America from California. This event, the oil bust in the early 1980s in Oklahoma City, is also one of the major, major turning points in the city's history and really the history of Oklahoma and was probably best chronicled in Mark Singer's Funny Money, which is also another book I really recommend you read. That story will be chronicled definitely on this podcast at a later time because it probably deserves multiple episodes, but just know that one of the banks that we almost took down, by us I mean Oklahoma, was the major bank in Seattle. So again, something happens in Oklahoma and it creates bad things in Seattle. This is going to be a running theme. Then fast forward all the way to 2001. In 2001, the city of Seattle's basketball team, the Seattle Supersonics, is purchased by Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks Coffee at this point and probably still Seattle's largest export and also one of the United States' largest exports around the world, along with McDonald's and uh, quote-unquote spreading democracy. Schultz had plans to take his coffee prowess and turn that brilliant business mind to professional basketball, and the Seattle Supersonics really, really needed that. Uh, The team, though much loved by the city of Seattle, had certain economic problems. The first being that Key Arena, the home of the Seattle Supersonics, was small, wildly small, small in both capacity for seating and small in both square footage for sales, meaning your concession stands, your merchandising. There wasn't a lot of space to sit and there wasn't a lot of space to buy. And that makes it very difficult to make a profit as a team owner if you have to sell out every game to break even. At this point, Key Arena had a little bit over 17,000 seats, which means that you would have to sell out basically every game to be profitable, which the Supersonics were not doing. So Schultz went to the local and state governments and asked for about $220, $227 million of renovations and expansion of Key Arena to make. The Seattle Supersonics Profitable. Now, if you're not familiar with the way professional sports work in the United States, it seems universal that whenever there's a professional sports team that is in need of a stadium, that stadium is built and provided by the local city government or the state government, and then that team acts as a tenant. It's kind of universal across the board if it's an NFL team uh, NHL team, uh, MLS team. Uh, that's just, excuse me, the way that American professional sports work. Sadly, Howard Schultz seemed to get nowhere with this plan. And unfortunately, while this is happening, Hurricane Katrina has just hit New Orleans and New Orleans also has an NBA basketball team at the time, the Hornets who are left without a place to play for the season. So, who steps in as a temporary home for an NBA team? Oklahoma City, who now have a brand new arena to use for an an NBA team thanks to the MAPS projects, which was a series of state and local taxes, excuse me, city taxes, which were used to improve certain infrastructure qualities of Oklahoma City to make it more attractive to businesses and make it more convenient for citizens to live in. This was a longer-term plan that Oklahoma City had been implementing since the 90s. The goal originally was to get an NHL team. Uh, The NHL being the National Hockey League, the professional hockey league in the United States and Canada, was seen as the easiest of the major sports to get a franchise in. So a market like Oklahoma City, which is admittedly a much smaller market compared to other major American cities excuse me, major American cities, could support a hockey team, whereas they could maybe not support an NBA team. This was, I guess, made sense at the time, but also weird because Oklahoma is a very hot place generally. Um, We have brutal winters a lot of the time, but we're generally a warmer, humid place. Hockey is not necessarily a major sport here. If you're an Oklahoma hockey fan, uh, please forgive me. I'm speaking totally just anecdotally here. And but needless to say, we never got that NHL team. We at one time got the Blazers, who were a minor league hockey team who actually had a quite a uh, strong following amongst certain segments. A couple of my friends are massive, massive Blazer fans. And if they're listening to this, please forgive me. I'm not meaning to disparage the Blazers. They will get an episode all their own. But uh, the Ford Center, which was the arena built in downtown Oklahoma City, did not get its major league professional tenant. Which, of course, meant that when Hurricane Katrina hit, there was this brand new, though not state-of-the-art, arena that the Hornets could move their team to for a year and a half while New Orleans is undergoing its restoration after Katrina. And sure enough, for a year and a half, the New Orleans Hornets became the New Orleans-Oklahoma City Hornets, and professional basketball came to Oklahoma City, if for a time And in retrospect, a shock to no one, Oklahoma City absolutely fell in love with professional basketball, and ticket sales improved, merchandise sales improved, and suddenly Oklahoma City, a place that was seen as a periphery city for possibly getting an NBA expansion team, suddenly became a very likely candidate for an expansion team or a moving team because we now proved that we had the market to support an NBA team. Meanwhile, back in Seattle, Howard Schultz isn't able to get his new arena, nor can he get suitable renovations to make key arena profitable. And that's basically the end for Howard Schultz as the owner of the Seattle Supersonics. But we're going to stop right here. And this is going to be a little bit of editorializing. Forgive me. Howard Schultz is one of the most powerful businessmen in the world. Even at the time, even now, one of the most powerful businessmen in the world. He's one of the most politically well-connected people in the world, and he's definitely one of the most politically well-connected people in Seattle that's maybe not involved with Microsoft. He and Michael Bloomberg thought that they could self-finance presidential campaigns in 2020. Michael Bloomberg made it so far as to a democratic debate. But if you remember earlier on in the campaign, Howard Schultz wrote a book and went around doing exploratory committees on running as a centrist, technocratic, liberal, uh, independent, because there's always one of those. Howard Schultz is tremendously powerful, tremendously wealthy, and tremendously well-connected, specifically in Seattle. Howard Schultz, if Howard Schultz cannot get a new arena, and if Howard Schultz cannot get the renovations to the arena, who do you, in Seattle, who do you think is going to be able to get those renovations, and who do you think is going to be able to get those new arenas built? Well... Apparently, Howard Schultz thinks that some businessmen from Oklahoma City are going to be able to do what he was not able to do, meaning get those renovations to Key Arena or get that new arena in Seattle to keep the Seattle Supersonics in Seattle. So Howard Schultz sells the Seattle Supersonics and their sister WNBA team, the Seattle Storm, to the Professional Basketball Club LLC, which is a group of Oklahoma City businessmen led by Mr. Clay Bennett. If you're from Oklahoma City or you've spent any time in Oklahoma City, you know who Clay Bennett is. Now, I, along with everybody else, am perfectly on board with the fact that Clay Bennett is a brilliant businessman. I believe that just as much as probably Howard Schultz did. But I'm not sure if I believe... (laughs) Hope to God Howard Schultz didn't believe this, that Clay Bennett was such a great businessman that he was going to be able to negotiate deals with the city of Seattle that the most well-connected, richest guy, one of the richest guys in Seattle could not get himself. I want to believe it, but I don't. So Howard Schultz sells the Seattle Supersonics to the Professional Basketball Club LLC, who from now on, I'm just going to refer to it as Clay Bennett, even though obviously it's a a group of investors, with the expectation that for 12 months he will make a good faith effort to either get a renovation to Key Arena or a new arena for the Supersonics in Seattle in order to keep them in Seattle before he would be able to move them to Oklahoma City or any other city where they could be profitable. To his credit, Mr. Bennett goes to the city of Seattle, wants his renovations, in Seattle responds, maybe not directly, but timely, by passing Initiative 91, meaning that it was voted on, meaning that city funds cannot go towards public arenas. So in the city level, Clay Bennett is now out. There's no way he's going to get that money for that renovation. So Clay Bennett then goes to the Washington State Legislature, the next step up. He comes to the legislature with a plan to build a new arena in Renton, which is a suburb of Seattle, where a new arena can be built, which can house uh, enough people to make the Supersonics profitable with enough market, with enough uh, excuse me, commercial space to maybe sell some more goods, and then everybody can be happy. Uh, the Washington State Legislature balks at this as well. So by this point, Bennett has fulfilled his 12-month re- uh, period requirement to seek an acceptable arena in Seattle. Now Bennett and the Professional Basketball Club announced plans to move the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City and resettle them there. There's only one problem with this plan, that this announcement is in late 2007, and the Seattle Supersonics have an agreement with Key Arena to play there until 2010. Bennett then seeks to go through an arbitration process with Key Arena, and that arbitration, uh, that arbitration request is rejected by the courts in Washington. And at the same time, Steve Ballmer, who's the CEO of Microsoft at this time, uh, offered to finance half of the needed renovations to Key Arena if the city and the state would cover the other half. So now it looks like a last minute ditch effort to keep the Seattle Supersonics in Seattle, where the... Arena is going to be renovated. So, uh, the professional basketball club LLC has to keep the Supersonics in Seattle. There's only one problem with this plan that the city and the state again refuse to meet that half funding requirement. So, at this point, the professional basketball club is planning on moving the Supersonics to Oklahoma City for that 2008 season. And the city of Seattle decides to sue the Professional Basketball Club of Oklahoma City. Now, this suit is predicated around uh, the Professional Basketball Club breaking its lease with Key Arena. And what they're suing for, the remedy that the city of Seattle is seeking is something called specific performance, meaning that the remedy that the city of Seattle wants is for the supersonics to have to stay and play out to 2010, until the 2010 season in Seattle. This is important because in contract law, when there's a contract dispute like this, generally speaking, the remedy is money damages. If you break a contract, the position that the agreed party would expect to be in if that contract had been performed is the measure of damages that is awarded to that party. Very, very rarely do courts Award was called specific performance, meaning to force that party to perform. Uh, the reason being largely is a moral hazard. Um, obviously, uh, work uh, would not be done as well as you know you'd necessarily want it. So it's a very rare thing in uh, in service contracts to be awarded specific performance. It just so happens, apparently, that in this lease agreement. A specific performance clause was specifically negotiated. So obviously that kind of changes the ball game. So the trial goes on. All the arguments are made. And literally within hours of the judge coming down with the decision, Seattle and Clay Bennett settle. The decision is never released. We have no idea how the judge would have ruled, but there is a settlement in the suit. For the measly sum of $45 million, the Seattle Supersonics can move in play in Oklahoma City in 2008. Soon after this settlement is announced, Howard Schultz, who had previously decided that he was going to sue Clay Bennett for a breach of good faith, meaning that Clay Bennett had never actually intended to have the Supersonics play in Seattle, that he was just going to bring the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City. Howard Schultz, soon after, drops that lawsuit. So now, the Supersonics are scot-free. And soon after, the Supersonics are moved to Oklahoma City. And starting with the 2008 season, the Supersonics become the Oklahoma City Thunder, where they have been here Ever since, and have now become a staple of Oklahoma City culture. The aftermath of this controversy is still felt today. Seattle remains the largest market in the United States without an NBA team. The Key Arena was eventually was eventually uh, renovated. And its name is now the Climate Pledge Arena, and it is set to play host to the NHL expansion team, the Seattle Kraken. Ironically, in the 1990s, this was the best that Oklahoma City was hoping for, that Oklahoma City thought that if we built this new arena that we would get an NHL team. And 20 or so years down the road, we have an NBA team, and Seattle is now getting an NHL team. But, and there's a big but here, Seattle remains on everybody's list as being the first city to be made available for an NBA expansion team or if there is a move of a current NBA team, which might take a long time, but it just seems inevitable that Seattle will get an NBA team back. Now, this is where things get complicated because with the purchase of the Seattle Supersonics, the Professional Basketball Club LLC actually owns the Supersonics' legacy. So when we think about that 1967 Seattle championship, when we think about the careers of guys like Gary Payton, technically speaking, those careers are the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder. But it seems to me, and this is through my own observation, that that break when the Seattle SuperSonics became the Oklahoma City Thunder that that was a clean break that we consider here the Oklahoma City th- Oklahoma City Thunder to have been founded in 2008 and that all before 2008 all those glories and all those in those that championship and all those divisional titles belong to the city of Seattle Gary Payton played for Seattle the championship was won in Seattle Seattle Owns that championship in the hearts and minds of many Oklahomans, and it is my sincere hope that when Seattle eventually, in I hope and pray, gets another NBA team, that that 1967 championship with the SuperSonics can still be claimed by the city of Seattle. And that, my friends, is where we're going to leave off with the controversy of the Seattle SuperSonics' move to Oklahoma City and becoming the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's where we're going to leave it for today. Obviously, there's a lot more bit of little detail that I didn't want to go into because I'm trying to avoid as much editorializing as I can. Uh, You can go ahead and make up your own conclusions. Um, Another resource I really wish I'd had is uh, I think um, the current mayor of Oklahoma City, David Holt, wrote a book where he talked about his perspective Uh, the Oklahoma City perspective. I really, really wish that I could have had an opportunity to read that before I uh, came up with this episode. I wasn't able to do that. Most of my sources were probably from a pro Seattle side. So I feel like maybe I didn't give Oklahoma City uh, a fair enough shake at things. So I'm going to go read uh, Mayor Holt's take. Um, And if it's something that blows my mind and uh, changes my perspective, I want to come out with uh, subsequent episodes so I can uh clear up the record a little bit. But with that, um, I'm back here at home in Oklahoma City. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, I'm so glad to be back podcasting. Uh, we should be able to be podcasting on a regular basis uh, for the foreseeable future. So um, I'm so glad that if you're tuning into this episode that you've come back and started listening to us. I know it's difficult to come back after a hiatus from doing something sometimes, but I'm so glad you're here. Please tell your friends about the America of America podcast, please continue to subscribe and review and like, uh, all of our episodes. And, uh, as I always say, I'm available at Chautauqua review at gmail.com through email. That's I believe C H a U T a U Q U a review at gmail. If you need the spelling and the spelling should be in the show notes. And with that, I'm Will Milam. This is the America of America podcast, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.